0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to Queer Death Stories. I'm your host, Moon Fang, she, they, they, she. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you today because it's almost Earth Day, you know, on Friday, and I couldn't think of a better guest to highlight than Dr. Amanda Stronza. I mean, it's so obvious. She is an advocate for animals and animal death justice and she creates these stunning animal memorials, which isn't easy for me to say, but that's okay, um, that I'm obsessed with, and so many of us are, and that's why I was so happy to tell her that in our death community, she is definitely an icon, definitely a death doula, and I think even outside of our community because she is teaching conservation You know, in a world where we exploit so much of our planet. And I would highly recommend looking at her website, of course, after the conversation. Thank you. And um, just going through her photos. They are just incredible. And whether she's documenting rock stars like, you know, Neil Young, which we talked about, or zebras, or zebras, as she taught me, it's just. Yeah, she's amazing. And if you're not already following her on Instagram, what are you doing? (laughs) Go follow her. And me too, by the way. And say hi, please. I I love connecting with all of you. And so I just want to say that what also made this conversation even sweeter is that her very dear soul companion, Matilda, the beautiful cattle dog that Also has a large Instagram following was with us for the conversation. So that felt like we were in the presence of like, you know, I don't know, just stars. Um, And also her cats were having an amazing time in the background, probably delighted that she was sitting in one room for a long period of time, which, again, I just want to say, you know, she's so generous and so kind and so easy to talk to. I could have talked to her for hours But you know, I love talking. So anyway, this is a very pet-friendly podcast. I just want to drop that in there. My dogs are always right beside me. I've got Teddy. He's my Bichon uh, poodle mix rescue. And he's a bit older. And then I have my puppy, Shadow Fang, who's, you know, always just hanging out by my feet. And then I've got my cat, Minnie, who is indoor and outdoors. So You're going to hear them from time to time on this show. And I just want to be completely transparent about how pet heavy this space is. (laughs) Also, y'all, I just want to point out that it's 420 and I'm totally imbibing in the bliss. And I hope that you are too. And speaking of sounds, another thing I wanted to point out is that that gorgeous music that you heard in the beginning it's my friend's band Mother Marrow. and I know in a few days Friday is band camp Friday day so please just feel free to follow them or you know if you want to make some donations to help out some DIY artists you know we love that Um, I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did having it and I will be back afterwards Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of the kindness and love sent to me. It just you know, means so much to me, you guys. Okay, see you later. Hi, Amanda. Hi. So good to meet you. So nice to meet you
1: as well. Thank you for reaching out to me.
0: Of course, and I'm totally. I mean, you're. You know, you might not know this, but in my world, in the death world, you're definitely an icon. So, um... oh my
1: gosh, <laughs> what?
0: You're you so totally much.
1: To me. I feel like I I have accidentally come into this world, um, in this death world, as you described it, and I've been so grateful to learn about all of you because it's not. I didn't intentionally. Find you, I, it's accidental. So it, it's kind of mind-boggling to me and crazy that I would be that I would be anybody <laughs> in that community because I'm still learning about who you are and what you do, and I'm so fascinated by, it and it's so important. To say it's been so, um, it's been really humbling and to be welcomed and to read the messages from so many people who reach out to me and tell me how the animal memorials are touching them, and even messages from a couple of morticians who wrote to me to say thank you for showing. Beauty and death, and and bringing some awareness to the work we do and some honor to it. I guess there's this feeling that, you know, there's just this way we talk or don't talk or face or don't face death. I think of it as just creepy and weird and scary. And so I even had invitations to visit a mortuary, um, which I was like, oh, that's incredible. It's in Colorado, so I hope I can go someday. But anyway, it's been so nice. People are so kind and so open with me. And that means everything.
0: The The work that you're doing um, outside of, of this particular passion is also incredible and fascinating. I was going to say last night, my wife and I watched your film. And now we're totally fangirling over you Uh um, or whatever you want to call that because we don't feel like girls. But um, just like incredible work with I mean, some people are fascinated with people who photograph rock stars. I know you photograph like Neil Young and other Mm -hmm. famous people, but your photography of zebras, particularly like I was Uh freaking out. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Moon. That means so much.
1: <laughs> zebras are you know i can't it's impossible for me to choose a favorite creature right um, you but have to. right exactly photographically i find zebras have became my muse when i first moved to Botswana that i had i had this notion of who zebras are and that they are you know basically black and white <laughs> they right. look like cool horses but then when I met my first zebras in the wild or zebras as we say in Botswana I discovered that they are they are so much more than black and white they're wildly full of color and personality and and then when they move together they create the most incredible patterns and each individual's zebra is unique that patterning and so in many ways, I feel like zebras taught me to be a better photographer and taught me to see and appreciate how beautiful they are. And so, um, at one point, I had a little project. It was called Your Daily Zebras, and I used to post oh, a photo or, <laughs> of a new zebra. It's a Facebook page, and it sort of fell by the wayside because I just, you know, have a million passions. But zebra, I just—it means a lot to me that you found the zebras because it's sort of my
0: pet project, as it were, one of my favorites. Stunning. One of the images where the zebra, maybe you know, you you took it, where it's looking straight ahead and the other one's facing the camera and it looks like it has two heads. Yes, I know the one you mean. I love that one. That was um,
1: during um, one of the zebra migrations in Botswana. It's in an area called the La Depression. It's just a vast, grassland and during a certain time of year when the grasses are rich and they're coming back up to the rains you'll see hundreds thousands of zebra in that part of Botswana so those are just two but they were surrounded by hundreds and um, but yeah that picture is an example of what I mean when they those patterns the, the distinct patterns they have what makes zebras so famous when they're together and they're such a you know, they're herding animals. So they're always together and they're sort of in this beautiful choreography, moving in and out of each other's space and creating, they're just living works of art. (laughs) They're just constantly what you see before your eyes. It's a little bit like an Escher print or an optical illusion or And then they have the sweetest sounds too. They whinny like like horses in a way, (laughs) but it's really lyrical sweet sound like a whistle
0: i don't magic. think i've ever heard a zebra sound i'm gonna look it up on spotify yes
1: do yes find the recording and it's just the sweetest lilting whinny. Win- i'm gonna put so it sweet. in my notes okay <laughs> zebra
0: music so when i you know asked you to to participate in an interview. And then I looked you up, you know, on your website, I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I, In a way,
1: thank you for saying that. And I do feel like my life is um, bifurcated a little bit. My passion and my work. I mean, my work is so much my passion too. And I I feel I am unabashed about that, but this work life balance that we talk about. I don't really have it, but that's okay because I I just feel so passionately about the work I do. But in a way, and I feel so passionately about the animal memorials. But they're they're really quite separate. And I'm trying to figure out how they're not separate. I'm trying to find in myself like, what is the common core of all this? And also the connection with Matilda. And I'm actually trying to work on a book proposal about this because when I say bifurcated, you know, big, 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 my career is really in science, and conservation. And I'm a professor in a department called ecology and conservation biology. And I'm surrounded by people who don't necessarily care to look at the life of an individual animal. Instead, the focus is more on populations and ecosystems, and which I care a lot about too. But to stop for a dead animal on the road and create a memorial with flowers and and to write something creative and emotional about that animal is so distant from the kind of work that I've been trained to do and the kind of work that my colleagues do. Right. So, my colleagues and the university and my students, they know about these animal memorials, but they're like, oh, oh, okay, that's interesting, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's a different thing. And then this world, my, this beautiful community we have on Instagram is, is, is again, is a whole other world from, from the science community and the wildlife biologists. And then there's all the people who love Matilda. That's like maybe the biggest community, everyone who loves Matilda. Right. And, um, and, and, but there are all these connections, right? I'm trying to write about now that Matilda's 17 and I am very acutely aware of her death that is coming and trying to prepare myself and knowing I can't prepare myself and just thinking a lot about her life and her death and how that's gonna affect me. And then also aware that Matilda is always with me when I'm creating the memorials. I don't think I've ever created one without her beside me. Mm-hmm. And then that's made me wonder, is this ritual that, I've, that has become such an important part of my life, is this somehow a way for me to prepare myself for Matilda's death. And then that's got me thinking about animal death and how <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk so much about that. I work in conservation and science and animal death is fundamental to, to life cycles and ecology, it's life and death. It's But, but we focus so much on life and, um, and conservation and protecting what is. And, and so I'm just trying to find, they're not separate these things. In a way, you know, I'm talking about them like they're these different worlds, but I'm starting to realize, well, one, I'm a common denominator. <laughs> but also, like, what's going on in me that this is all coming out? And how can I, how can I write about animal life and death and write about the lives and deaths of wild animals and how we treat that differently from the animals we identify as pets, as family, mm-hmm. and then how is that different from how we think about human death? And then why do we have these hierarchies or these these differences? So, you know, I have mostly questions now. Just right. trying to think about what I wanna write about and what I
0: wanna say and what it all means. I love that so much. I think that it's such a, sort of not, I don't wanna say undervalued, but maybe less you know discussed part Mm -hmm. of death work and so you know we're so i mean i'm just speaking for the community because you know i feel like we should acknowledge like so grateful that you're part of our community and representing like you know this ritual work as Mm -hmm. a way to just acknowledge you know, Mm -hmm. these little deaths happen around us all the time. And, um, I know sometimes, uh, the imagery or, um, people don't always know how to interpret it because, um, I've seen comments where people are like surprised or sort of, but, um, what's fascinating about that is, well, how are you not aware? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that question, Moon. It's incredible the number of times people have said to me, not in our community, um, which I'm so happy to be a part of, to be a part of, and learn about the deaf community, deaf positivity. I don't even know what to call the community, but I, because I'm <laughs> learning. Um, but you know, when the animal memorials have been featured in sort of mainstream media, like in Board Panda or. Mm-hmm things like that, then I get the comments of, wow, she's creepy, or she's, um, why does she see, what's going on with this? Why is she finding so many dead animals? Just <laughs> a lot of suspicion like that I'm weird and creepy and dark and that and that I'm exploiting the animals. And, and it's it's been amazing to see those comments too, because it's helped me understand The mindset that I'm trying to um, um, counter in a way that we talk about death as gross and dirty and creepy, especially dead animals, maybe with humans too. I'm thinking more about the animals, but people are so concerned about like, how can you even They, they talk about me being courageous to do that, which is so interesting to me because I don't feel courageous at all. It feels so natural. restore some dignity to the life of to the body and the memory of that animal who's lying you know paws up on the road in the most undignified way it feel it doesn't feel courageous or anything other than normal and natural for me to try to find a quieter softer more dignified place to rest right Um, and then to the question of why do you see so many dead animals? I just have to ask, why don't you see them? Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, if you don't see dead animals almost every day, if you go out, it's because you're not paying attention. And that's why my, you know, the hashtag that sort of came just organically for me is see them all. It's just, I think we have been so conditioned to look away to ignore or if we see to be disgusted by death or a dead animal that we now we just don't even see and if you don't see death it's because you're not paying attention and death is right next to life
0: everywhere I think you're already kind of saying this, but I think it says more about like someone who would be so, um, you know, turned off or, or scared or weirded out because, um, yeah, we're surrounded by nature. And that's what I was thinking about a lot last night when we were looking at your fabulous website, which everyone should immediately go to. Um, but it's just that harmony and, you know, on the big scale, the elephants are coming through and, you know, interrupting these, these people's lives. And, you know, for a whole year, an elephant can just walk through someone's field and that could be like all their food. And I was just trying oh. to picture, like, you know, I said to Lisa, my wife, like, imagine an elephant like, walking through <laughs> our garden, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, um, they're, huge. And they're huge. They're huge. dangerous.
1: The we veins have, on their ears, you know. Just like, <laughs> yeah, natural. it's true. We... Uh, People <laughs> in North America, maybe I'll sit down here beside her since the video is, since we don't have to worry about the right. She'll talk. Um, She the so we have this notion of elephants in North America as being, you know, Dumbo and Horton hears a who and Babar and the gentle giants, and they are all that. They are incredibly sensitive and social and intelligent, all the things that we know about elephants. Um, but they are also very dis- can be very destructive, and they can be very dangerous to people. and And so, I love that you said, "What if we had them in our backyard?" People who have thousands of elephants in their backyard have a whole different understanding of elephants, much right. more complex. And um, they don't hate elephants, but they have a maybe a little bit of a love hate relationship with them. Sure, elephants. they're so dangerous. So.
0: I don't know if you can see how Matilda. She's so born. precious. I love her. Yeah. I love. Yeah. I think to what you're saying about the, um, yeah, the the scale. What what occurred to me was that you know, the the juxtaposition of like that being one of you know that's your work, and then also the small scale of these little deaths that people ignore or they're like grossed out by, like you said or you know just kind of go in a different direction um yeah you know there's this like sacredness around this one tortoise and um that's what was like oh wow right you know we don't think about well maybe years later people use human skulls to teach or but you know in general we're not like collecting human bones and um Mm -hmm. displaying them in our house necessarily right
1: right bury it all together the snapping turtle i have the bones in my in a bag right now in in my living room Hallway closet, and I got some like cleaning, like I don't even remember what it is, like a bleach kind of to clean the bones. And I just had it sitting there waiting for me, but I do want to create something with the bones. That turtle, I think of all the memorials I've created, that one was the most meaningful to me, and maybe the most I felt that one the most, most for various reasons. I think the biggest one is that I found. When I found her, she wasn't dead.
0: Mm. She had
1: it, but she was suffering. And so the suffering, death is one thing. Right. Suffering is a whole other. And I really, really struggled to see her suffering like that. And she I brought her back to my house and she and put her in a pool of water that had that my the snapping turtle I had been caring for, hope. He had used that one and he was in the wild. So I had this pool of water in my garage that I could put her in there so she could at least die overnight in peace. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. And so then when I left her in my yard and Matilda and I went on our road trip for a couple months to Maine, to the, to the, art, the art exhibition with the animal memorials, she, her remains were just left in my yard. And then when I came back at the end of the summer, I found the bones just as well, you know, as I had left her. And so I want to do something really beautiful with her bones, but I don't know what to do. And then to your point about taxidermy, you know, again, the connection with all my colleagues in conservation biology. I also work with people who um, are curators for natural history museums and collecting species and having specimens, essentially in drawers, you know, with like um, identifying information and so forth. Um, I've been talking with them about the possibility of like, sometimes I find animals that are in perfect condition and I'm happy for the vultures and the foxes and the opossums to come for them. But sometimes I wonder, could we use their bodies could I hate the way I just said that using their bodies but could their bodies serve a purpose beyond their death
0: mm-hmm. that
1: would be and, um, and so I've been we're talking now about a protocol that I would establish because they've said to me like I found a, a raccoon that was just perfect in every way and um, there were no wounds no blood and um, but my friend in curation said sometimes the problem is they have internal injuries that make mm. it really hard for us to do any kind of specimen preparation. So anyway, I'm just trying to figure out if if what what makes sense to do. The one animal that I did donate to um, an education program is the a roadrunner okay. that was in
0: beautiful condition.
1: And um, I,
0: created I love that one. yeah, so yeah I love that one too.
1: So that bird now that individual is part of the environmental education program with kids so he became a specimen um, and now now kids forever will be able to see him.
0: That's really so. cool. Yeah yeah. I mean I I think so I, I
1: yeah. I think so part of me is wondering am i interrupting a normal cycle of life and death but but that doesn't even make sense because the cars already did that right Right. and 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 humans we as humans are part of the life and death cycle and part of the ecosystem and so museums are part of it too and kids and education it's all connected and so i don't know why i'm just trying to figure out the ethics of it all sometimes I think I don't want to assume but I know that there are people who go out of their way to kill snakes
0: and Ah. so I have a
1: special love for the snakes and I in some ways I think that the most time into creating the most beauty with the snakes because I just if I could wave a magic wand I would want the world to to feel differently generally about snakes
0: I love that And so, that's my my, my uh, me, yeah my spirit Good. animal. Oh, you know, is a it? Chinese zodiac animal. So I, I feel uh, very I like ah yes yes.
1: Yeah, they're so maligned, and I mean, they're you know snakes can be some species can be really dangerous, but so can a pet dog. And, and you know, humans are the most dangerous. Of course, them. the human so, right. Uh, I just think that there's so much fear with snakes and such of it is required that it's just a hard... Sometimes people can't even look at snakes. And so I think it makes me happy that... I think of all the species um, I've memorialized, it's snakes get the most attention. The snakes and the coyotes seem to be the most loved. Mm, And that makes me happy. their bodies really lend themselves to creating a mandala, right? Like they are the spiral and they're just so beautiful. They're just so beautiful. And so and then to see them as so vulnerable on the road, just really, it makes me feel a lot for them. You know, there, there are various reasons they're vulnerable because they, they seek out the road surfaces to fast, right? They're not so fast quite often to get out of the way. And then also people go out of their way to hit them. So snakes are especially vulnerable to being killed on roads. And so I think, and then, and then the third, the third, you know, whammy is that people don't care. <laughs> Even if they didn't go out of their way to hit them, there's so little, empathy or love for snakes. Whereas, you know, if there's a dead dog or a dead cat on the side of the road, at least people are, I think, more inclined to feel sadness. But I always right. say imagine if we saw as many humans on it, like, would we just drive by if we saw a human on the side of the road mangled? We wouldn't. And so it's this human exceptionalism, this concern for the death of humans and almost total disregard for the death of other animals that is really at the heart of
0: the memorials for me. people ask you to teach what you're doing ever or you know has that been something you've considered like do our people ask you yes I
1: get the question a lot on Instagram not as much in person or on Facebook but and I I'm always I always want to help and i'm also hesitant i'm so afraid that someone might hurt themselves or cause others i'm just so afraid that i know people are intelligent and i shouldn't underestimate (laughs) but i you just have to be so careful about pulling over i think it's also illegal to be quite honest with you people have said to me like I think it's illegal to be doing what you're doing, like stopping for dead animals and um, just because of the potential. Yeah, I read that in Texas, I think for completely different reasons. I think that there are enough hunters in Texas that there is an inclination to stop for like hogs or deer who've been killed on the road to harvest the meat. Hmm. I'm a vegan, but I feel like that's actually a good thing. If you are a meat eater, that's probably a really good thing to do. Then at least the animal is serving some, it's like the life and death cycle. In one of my classes last year, I had a, um, a wildlife officer from Texas in the class, and he knew all about the memorials, and he never said a word to me like, Dr. Stronza, that's illegal. (laughs) Uh, But but I just, I, I just am worried about giving a sort of how to on my page that people might hurt themselves or, you know, get hit by a car or Right. Yeah,
0: that's a big responsibility.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I usually just say Because it is, it is a very easy thing that I do. I carry just towels and like cloth tote bags in my car, which just, which I always have, and like blankets, and I just always have, and now they've become the things that I use to lift the animals. But I almost never handle the animals with my bare hands. Sometimes I do if there's no, if there are no open wounds and if they're, You know if they're not excreting anything that would cause me to worry about infection of any kind or anything like that but for the most part i just lift them with a towel or a a cloth and um and then even when i'm laying them to rest i use the the towel to uh, try to organize their bodies so that they look as whole and Beautiful as I can. I'm just very focused on making sure that they look beautiful and not grisly. Not that there's, you know, I grapple with this. Like I don't want to make death. Like I don't want to shy away from what death is. But I want people to feel okay looking at a dead body. And so I feel like maybe I, maybe it's okay to cover wounds and cover the scary parts (laughs) and acknowledge that it is scary. And so then, you know, you asked about the mandala. I don't necessarily think about any particular design. I'm actually usually really just, it just happens organically really Mm -hmm. with between the animal and the vegetation, the flowers, the grasses, branches, anything that's around. And then how can I create beauty from that? And it's often, first of all, covering the wounds And then thinking about how can whatever is beautiful around the animal's body, how can that be used to just enhance their beauty? And with some animals, I almost almost don't even want to touch them because they're just beautiful as they are. You know? And so it's more about enhancing rather than covering. So, but but as I'm doing that, even as I'm laying the flowers or the leaves on the body, I almost barely touch the animal. It's, yeah, so I'm surprised how often people ask that, that they're worried about, like, germs or that I'm, like, how do you handle the animal? That's almost the
0: easiest part. I just lift them with a towel, (laughs) you know.
1: comfortable looking at the beauty even though there's stillness is what i hope to convey
0: it definitely yeah. does and i think like you know you're absolutely not maybe officially but you're definitely a deaf midwife or <laughs> you're doing the work that you know that's amazing <laughs> um, thank you what's your favorite song to sing to yourself or to a loved one? Oh my goodness look at Matilda she's like sing it to me <laughs> she's so amazing I love her so much she's like... um that's a
1: good one well I mean I feel like this is so cliche because it's the song that everybody sings to their their baby human or otherwise but you are my sunshine. oh
0: yeah i love that song
1: and then i always say that matilda is my sunshine just
0: even if it's
1: not in song but my grandfather used to sing that when i was little so i think that's the one that sticks with me
0: it's so good it's so perfect um yeah well thank you so much for sharing yourself and your work with me, with us, you know, um, really appreciate it. No, I'm
1: so um, really happy to talk with you and I'm so grateful that you reached out to me and um, I'm looking forward to keeping in touch with you.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow, you guys, you are my sunshine. My God, freaking heart melt, right? So beautiful. Ah, I love it. And I love talking with Dr. Amanda Stranza. She is fabulous. And I think it's just, you know, bringing that awareness back to me that this is our work here. We're advocating. We're helping people understand that they don't need to be afraid of death and that they can confront their biases because the earth is depending on us. And I know I don't have to tell all of you, but it just really, you know, it sinks in a little bit deeper when we think about how this is our calling. And, you know, she's really at the forefront. She's educating folks. She's demystifying death, and I just admire her so much. And if you're not following her on Instagram, what are you waiting for? Go do it, Teller Moon Says Hi. And um, my next guest is another person I just admire and, and bow down to. I have learned so much from her over the years because she's a queer icon. She's an author um, and a witch and has a fabulous podcast called Your Magic. And her name is Michelle T. And if you don't already know her, go find her on Instagram and tell her Moon Says Hi. But also read her books, you guys. Read her books. They are, in many ways, I think, life-changing. If you have any shame around your sexuality or addictions or anything that causes shame, You know, um, so I'm really excited to share that conversation with you. I also would like you to know that if you like the podcast, please review it positively. And that really helps me with, you know, getting it out there more, making it more visible and also, you know, share it with your, your parents, your neighbors, your coworkers, your grandmother. Um, (laughs) because these conversations really are for everybody and if you'd like to be my guest you can find me at queer Dust stories on instagram and send me a private message i actually am wrapping up season two which is hard to believe and i'm starting to book season three so please do that let's be friends i know i always say that but i, I mean it i love i love hearing from all of you i love the memes i love the skulls i love the death lore um, it just really makes me so happy so I'm also starting a queer virtual zine. I have the first couple submissions and that will be coming out in May in honor of my birthday. And if you don't already know this, I'm a Gemini. So, you know, it's huge, um, magical. Also, I think that's all for now. I'm going to let Charity's gorgeous boys send us off with their music and please keep listening thanks guys sending lots of love There's just one thing-